Hello, everybody. This is the Two Pointers Podcast, a podcast where two childhood best friends, myself, Trevor, and my co-host, Josh, talk all things hoops. We'll analyze and debate news and what's happening in the world of basketball today. Holy cow, here it is. We told you we'd cover it, and here we are. The Two-Pointers Podcast coming to you live the night of a James Harden trade. We've been talking about it all off-season, uh, off-recording, and then we come in here on episode one. We mention it. We bring it up. Episode two, we talk about the Lillard trade rumors that was holding us over until the big deal here, the, the, the deal that we were all looking forward to at some point, whether it was Brooklyn, whether it was Philadelphia. We have an answer. Uh, but it's bigger than we really thought, I think. Uh, we're going to go over that today, just tonight, and just review our just, I guess, initial really reactions. It's more of a, we know there's going to be more details that come out, like what might have been on Philly's side or what could have, maybe there was a surprise team we didn't know about. We'll, we'll find out details as it, we continue to progress, but we'll at least run through what's going on, get our initial thoughts out there for myself and Josh. Uh, first of all, I want to run through the trade itself. It ended up being a four-teamer to make the deal work. Uh, the Rockets are acquiring Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Kuroots, three Brooklyn first-rounders in 2022, 24, and 26. They're also going to get the max capital they can by acquiring a Milwaukee first-rounder that's unprotected in 2022. That looked a lot better prior to Giannis signing the max extension the week of Christmas, but still a first-round pick nonetheless. Four Brooklyn first-round swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. They've essentially have the Nets draft capital for the next seven years. Uh, the Nets, of course, duck at James Harden. The Pacers get involved in this, moving Victor Oladipo, where they get Karis LeVert in the second rounder, as well as the Cavs spice things up to bring Jared Allen and Torian Prince in, bringing out some of Brooklyn's bench depth. Uh, Honestly, I don't even have a first question, but first thoughts, Josh, what do you think? Um, I think Houston went for what they needed to go for in this. Um, I mean, it's one of those, the more I continue to think about it, I see this like there are definite positives for all four teams involved. Um, I mean, Houston got more draft capital than you get for really anybody um, through this trade. Um, Like you said, controlling things for the next seven years. And then, I mean, if you're Brooklyn, I mean, gosh, I hope Brooklyn wins a championship with this because if they don't, it's kind of seven years, they're not going to be in control of any of that. So. This is going to be talked about, I'm sure, at some point. There's so many people covering this. There's already been pods posted. There's already been multiple reports all day about this uh, just since 4 o'clock. But this doesn't feel like, because of such a caliber star in his prime that they're getting, this doesn't feel like the Nets' repeat of of the Garnett and Pierce situation, correct? I mean, I know their draft capital is going to be completely stripped for the next seven years, but this feels like there's an end in sight where, like you said, there is a championship, right? We don't You don't foresee this going super south. I hope it doesn't like so I think there's definitely going to be a lot of comparisons to that um, Garnett Pierce trade you referenced that Brooklyn was involved in that ended up being one of just one of the worst trades in NBA history for one team 
um, because things didn't really pan out for the Nets at the time and they weren't able to control their draft for a long period. In this situation, they won't either, but they're getting a star in their prime, a guy who's been in the top of MVP voting for the past several years. It's not like we're getting um, an aging star who's past continuing to get better. James Harden can continue to um, produce at the top of the NBA level. Um, as for whether or not it flames out, I think Brooklyn has, I don't know if, so one of the hopes with bringing Harden in is that you've got your big three there with Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But the issue comes in as to where is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I think that's going to be a developing thing. I don't think it's necessarily as far as Stephen A's point today on his first take words. He should just go ahead and hang it up and retire. But like that was a little egregious. Obviously, Stephen A's got the platform and got the power to be able to make a statement like that and not get absolutely torn apart for it. But like if somebody like us or somebody like not as big as him has said that, it would have been a bigger deal. But I think he 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 got away with it in a sense, Stephen A's comment. But I think Kyrie's going to figure out what's going on and he's going to get back. He's going to know that there's going to be a motivation to really come back and play and have, you know, obviously he's going to make sure he's get his, he gets his money, but also he's got a reason to come back. They've got it. They've got a superstar coming in. That's going to be really worth contributing. And I mean, it's going to be weird though. Is he going to be okay being the third fiddle? I don't know. Uh, I think my biggest other point I wanted to make just the Kyrie thing will continue to develop. I, I don't know what we're going to think right now uh, it, it's just hard to tell i don't it, you just don't know you see him on these zoom calls on twitter that nba twitter finds finds out about and you see him doing things at family's birthday party but as of right now since uh, since posting wednesday's pod or today's pod that <clears throat> that we recorded on monday he's it's not his decision anymore because of the nba investigation so it really is just going to come down to hopefully he come back he comes back smoothly and efficiently and they, there's no bumps in the road. One thing I want to say uh, that I think normally you look at a trade like this, you know, when an Anthony Davis gets traded or when a Kawhi gets traded or when a Paul George gets traded, you think like there's always a clear winner, a clear loser. I think only because of the fact that Oladipo is coming off a major injury and they basically got him and that was it. Like you would have thought like looking at a Nets roster that they get a Jared Allen, that they get a Karis LeVert. And obviously they brought Indiana in instead and brought, you know, made sure they get the full draft capital for him. They basically got seven picks and a coming back from injury, former all-star that might not be a former all-star ever again. So it scares me a little bit in that sense, but you look at this trade and I don't think there's a real loser. I really don't. The Cavs get a, the bench center for the future than Jared Allen. The Pacers get a guy that could replace Victor Oladipo that a lot of people compared him to in Karis LeVert. The Nets, duh, get James Harden. <laughs> they win the trade, period, because they get the best player. And then the Rockets get seven. They turn into the, the Thunder. again. <laughs> they turn into a second team like the Thunder where they basically rebuild their draft capital that they lost because of Daryl Morey. I don't see any – I don't foresee any loser, per se. What about you? Yeah, I think you have a couple teams here. It was interesting circumstances because a couple of teams here are moving players who have previously, expre previously expressed not wanting to be in their current cities. Um, Harden obviously made it very clear he did not want to be playing with Houston anymore, and he gets to go to a Brooklyn team he wanted to play for. Victor Oladipo requested a trade, if I remember correctly, in the offseason um, prior to coming into this year, wanting to move out of Indiana, and he finally gets that and will be in Houston. Houston gets kind of the king's ransom of draft capital that you want to get from a MVP caliber player. Um, Brooklyn gets an MVP caliber player and the Cavaliers jump on, jump into a situation. They're not really part of make it work and grab a couple of young talents that are going to help a team that's building exceptionally well in Cleveland. So um, 
yeah, I, I don't really see where anybody goes wrong here. One question that came up just as I was scrambling to come to come up with some sort of conclusion as details kept coming in. First of all, I was surprised that Shams broke that. that I mean, obviously him and Woj are the two big deal. Just wanted to throw that out there that it's normally Woj. It's normally a Woj bomb per se, right? But it's crazy to see that Shams broke a big one too. Uh, one thing I would say, it's interesting for the Rockets. We mentioned how they're getting a guy that was hurt coming off an in, you know, guy coming off an injury that's an all-star that frankly might not be one ever again in the West, especially. Uh, but he's going to be a free agent next year. Is that something – What I mean, what do you feel like the chances right now that he stays – now, granted, healthy roster, they got John Wall, they've got DeMarcus Cousins, they've got Eric Gordon, they've got P.J. Tucker, they've got seven draft picks for the next seven years. Like, they've got things there that could entice him. Does Victor Oladipo bounce, or is there a pretty high chance you think he stays in Houston? I think Victor Oladipo will probably test the waters to see um, what things look like when he becomes a free agent. Um as for Houston, I don't think this trade was as much about Victor Oladipo as it was about um, moving Harden and the draft picks they got. Um, Houston's definitely – they're kind of going to have to pivot to a full rebuild mode, and they're in a good spot to do that with the draft capital they now have. Um, I think it'll come down to if Victor Oladipo wants to stay in a team that is uh, pivoting to kind of a full rebuild. Um, I can't think of a lot of players who would want to – stay and put up residence in a place where a team's um, maybe not going to be competitive over the next couple of years. But um, currently I just don't think the trade was really about that for Houston as much. It was, it was definitely shocking to see old depot move, but he doesn't feel to me like the centerpiece, any kind of centerpiece to this trade. My second or our second of our final or of our three questions that I have would be, are the Nets the resounding favorite in the East? And if not, who knocks them off? Obviously, people would say, like, this team, like, oh, well, defense is going to lose them their second-round series. Or who beats this team? The passing the ball does. It's like uh, somebody obviously could beat them, but are the Nets the resounding favorite? And I can look up while you're going through your point. I'll, I'll look up what the odds are. All of a sudden, it probably got boosted from, like, plus something. to. They might be a minus favorite for all we know at this point. But I can look at that real fast. But are they the favorite in the East? And if not, who is I think they'll still probably be like the popular um, pick for the favorite. Um, there's obviously going to be a lot of buzz around this trade for me personally, Philadelphia is who's currently on, um, on top or at the top of the East is still who I see is uh, favorite in the Eastern conference more than so that I just prefer the way that the Philadelphia team is constructed currently. Um, I've said on here before, and I knew Philadelphia was down in the trade talks with Brooklyn, with um, Houston down to kind of the last minutes today before the trade um, between Houston and Brooklyn was confirmed. But I like the way Philadelphia's team is um, constructed with Simmons and Embiid. I think Embiid's playing great and all the three-point shooters they added this season, um, as well as the defensive play that they have. So, I mean, to me, I still see Philadelphia as the team to beat right now, as well as Milwaukee, who I think is going to pick it up. Um, as for right now, like you said, I think defense is still going to be an issue for Brooklyn. But um, if they can get all three of those guys playing together, it's going to be entertaining Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah, I won't spend too much time thinking on who is the favorite, but I did look up while you were chatting there. Uh, going through the Philadelphia point. Uh, Brooklyn is now second on FanDuel in, in 
odds to win the NBA championship at plus 270. The Lakers are plus 260. That to me is a little egregious. I get it. It's a superstar going to Brooklyn, but holy cow, what a jump. They went from like plus 600, 700. That, that's a huge jump. I know Harden obviously carries that kind of weight. And I'd be curious to see if obviously Durant's still going to end up, you know, getting some MVP buzz regardless of his narrative. But I, I guess it comes down to, I do think Philadelphia, I agree with you in Philadelphia. It, it's interesting that, that we're kind of not writing off the Bucks, but you and I haven't really talked much about the Bucks lately. They've been kind of lackluster, disappointing a little bit in the sense that they don't feel like the resounding favorite in the East, even prior to this trade. And, and Miami, same thing. I just don't, I don't foresee the, the East being this like runaway with the Nets. I think it's going to be a really awesome competitive playoff series. Yeah, I don't think the Eastern Conference has been this good in a long time. Um, I think there are a lot of teams that are really competing for that Eastern Conference championships and a lot of teams that really think they can win it this year. I think a similar thing in the West, although in the West, the Lakers are much more kind of a, of a favorite coming off the championship and because of the exceptional play that they've had from um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis and um, bringing in Dennis Schroeder. But yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, as you're saying there on the odds, the Nets have all the buzz around them right now, and they're going to be the popular favorite. And obviously, when you add a player of um, Harden's caliber, like that is definitely going to um, improve your ability, especially improve your ability to score. Um, I mean, I can't think of a better offense in the NBA right now, uh, besides what the Brooklyn Nets are going to have. But uh, we'll see whether or not that pans out and they're able to um, make it to the finals this year and make something happen. Awesome. Uh, just as a reactionary pod, for you know, the sake of we'll never see James Harden probably in a Houston Rocket uniform ever again. I personally have family in Houston and who have been Rockets fans since I can remember since basically since my since I was born since before then, and they've had they remember the Elijah One Championships and they remember the Sam Cassell, they remember Kenny Smith, they remember all these great players in Rockets history, and they they've been there ride or die through all, through it all. And Harden's been one of their Biggest, if not their best player of all time, whether whether you have him versus Elijah one. But uh, I think the biggest question to me as he leaves that, you know, something that might not be talked about as much uh, big time because of the fact that this is a trade. He may not get talked about in this realm. For you, how is he remembered in Houston? For me, I mean, I think he's going to go down to being remembered as kind of the guy that was able to bring Houston back to um, a relevancy and competitiveness. Um since the retirements of Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming. Um, McGrady and Ming were, I mean, they were a, kind of a dominant force in Houston in the mid-2000s, and they were extremely entertaining to watch. And then the Rockets kind of went through a rough patch after um, their retirements before bringing in James Harden, and Harden was able to elevate the Rockets back up into this powerhouse in the West that was really competitive for a while. Um, they weren't quite able to get past Golden State, but they um, had several good seasons. Um, I hope that James Harden's uh, legacy in Houston isn't remembered by um, the situations and wanting to leave um, because he did so many good things to help that organization in the time he was there. One thing I'll say for me uh, that I definitely feel good about for him, obviously he's going to be remembered as a great in Houston. They, they He loved for the time being up until his, you know, his unfortunate departure in this case, he was loved in that community from my, from my knowledge. I've been there, you know, in March and I've, I've haven't been to a game, unfortunately. And I would love to, I almost had an opportunity to see him play my Lakers a few years ago uh, at the two center. It would have been awesome, but 
he has loved in that community. He's done a lot for that community outside of you know just being a great player for them. Uh, for me, I think two things specifically, and then we can wrap up here and get this out to the world so people can hear our opinions of this crazy night in the NBA that I think this will be the last big blurp of news we'll have in terms of something massive like this for a while. Then again, it is the NBA. You never, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is the NBA. You never know. The thing for me is two th- is or my point would be for two things is Daryl Morey, I think helped this a little bit, but his, his, how much he changed the three point game. I know Steph obviously did that. I'm not, I'm not saying Harden to credit for it, but how much the three point game and how much the, just the game in general has changed because of the way he, you know, they did their offense in, in Houston, at the, you know, most of his prime there. I just think, I know he had people always give him, you know, so much crap for the ISO ball thing. I get it. He's a very heavy ISO player, but his revolution revolution of the three point game and just his revolution of being able to be the best player, one of the best players in the league. He's he look, he was a very, very, very good player for them. He was a very, very good player for the analytics driven part of this league in terms of the three point shooting and just how that offense developed him and Mike D'Antoni, obviously for the most part got along really well and they, their offense worked for a long time. I mean, they were going to remember them as a team that took the Warriors to a really, really good multiple series that we saw. And obviously regardless of Chris Paul getting hurt with a hamstring injury, we could have seen them as a finals contender, almost knocking off a Warriors dynasty. They really competed hard. Uh, the second point I would say just is that he's going to be remembered as somebody that unfortunately couldn't lead a title on his own. And I, I'm not going to spend 40 minutes on that week. If he never wins a title, I know one day we'll, we may, we may do a documentary pod about him like we would with a Charles Barkley or like you would with a <clears throat> Elgin Baylor or with a guy that just never has won a title that doesn't, you know, that they're held against that Chris Paul, even like guys like that are going to, he's going to be right now on that pyramid of guys that are really, really, really good in this league that never won a title. And it's really unfortunate. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. I, it's been chaos. Nonetheless, today has been uh, I constantly just watching Twitter. I love being on NBA Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, if you guys who are listening through this shortest pod we've ever done so far, uh, 17 to 20 minutes here, if you could follow us on Twitter at two pointers, we'd really appreciate it. It's where we post updates, uh, our thoughts on the NBA, updates on episodes coming out when they post, etc. as well as we do want to thank you. This is first time since we've, had since we've been on recording because we posted episode three and then five minutes later we hit a hundred downloads. I just want to say thank you. I'm going to swing it to you in just a moment as well. I would say thank you just from the bottom of my heart from everybody who's been listening to us. We greatly appreciate it. Three episodes, they had a hundred downloads. It's just nothing to turn your head at. I mean, five, five-star reviews coming in left and right. we got 16 of them on Apple. Spotify is 40% of our listeners are for our Spotify crowd. Thank you. For those of you out there, I just want to say thank you. And obviously this has been a crazy day in the NBA. We're going to continue to keep you updated even at 10 o'clock on the East coast. uh, When something crazy like this happens, we're going to do our best to get it out. Anything you have to say before we close it out. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the two pointers podcast. I'm Trevor and I'm Josh. And we'll see you guys later.